Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is The Framing Podcast, and I'm your host, Ricardo McRae. And today, in the warm seat, as I call it, not the hot seat, but warm. I like that. I like that. Is uh, Barry Tesler. She is a financial therapist, mompreneur, founder of The Art of Money. It's a one-year course on finances, and most recently, the author of the book Money, A Life-Changing Guide to Financial Happiness. And I could not think of a better way of introducing Barry to say, you know, we met how many years ago now? It was about three years ago, three, four years ago, outside of a conference on women leaders and in I can't even remember the name of it. It was... Emerging Women. Emerging Women Conference. And it was like, we were outside sitting on a chair and we just had a chat. And uh, she was one of the speakers that day. and Just had a chat, struck up a friendship and remain Instagram and Twitter friends over the years. And now she's on my podcast, which I'm extremely excited about. Because what Barry does is talk about money from a position of love and really brings it down to a place where it can resonate in your soul rather than be this ethereal thing that only certain people can manage or get or be allowed to have. So when we talk about bringing creativity to life and bringing creativity to our money, I couldn't think of anyone else I'd want to have on the show. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I remember that first meeting. I was thinking about it this morning. Um, You know, I was at a conference with mostly women. It was all. I was like the Olympic guy, <laughs> <laughs> cheering my wife on. Like, Come on! <laughs> and you know, there was just these two really comfy chairs, and I was getting ready for my presentation. And I, you know, just you were sitting there, and I felt compelled to sit at the other chair and sat down, and we just started talking, yeah. and you just felt like kin to me oh, right cool. away. And yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was. It was a really. I still remember that moment as well. It was just, it was like a special little zone, a little time in, in the universe of, you know, where, uh, where people connect. It was, it was, it was a great day. It was it a was. great day. So that leads us to today. Let's talk about money. Yeah. Uh, and I know when we, well, before we get into that, tell me where you were born. Okay. I was born in Chicago, Illinois. Ah. Um, and I grew up in the city in Boys Town, if in Chicago. Yeah. My my uncles. Um, I grew up with my parents, my mom and my dad, and then my two uncles. So my uncle, um, my biological uncle Steve, and then his partner of many 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 years, Uncle Pat. Yeah. And they were a huge part of my life, and so my family owned gay bars. They owned, re- they did real estate, and then they owned gay bars with my uncles uh, um, in Chicago, and then so, and then we were also in Evanston, Skokie. So we were on the cusp of the suburbs, but, but not, not too far in, right, and right, and right, and sort of a sweet spot of that. Mm-hmm. And how did that experience? Or do you have brothers and sisters? I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. How Very many proud. brothers and sisters? <laughs> As all firstborns, are they like, I am the oldest, just so everyone knows. I can first. Um, I lead the way. Um, (laughs) And I have a younger sister who is shy of two years younger than me, and then a younger brother who's five and a half years younger than me. Okay. Yeah. And how did growing up in Chicago, and given what your parents did in their life, 
Yeah. How did that shape what you're doing today with money? Um, Well, my parents were entrepreneurs, but Mm -hmm. I didn't quite realize that or growing up. That wasn't the term. It was just my dad worked for himself. And he was a tough, intense man Mm. and could be very loving as well. Um, I speak about him first just because I'm so much like him. <laughs> um, you take away my hair, usually my hair's down, it's <laughs> off. I'm like, you take away my hair, and I look like him, down to my yeah. legs, my calves, you know? Right, like right, right. Legs. The fingernail, the bed of your fingernails. You're like, this is my father. This, this is, is my father. And yeah. so I'm a lot like him, but I also had to, what I call, transmute a lot of our crap or a lot of our stuff. Yeah. Um. And so there's my dad who was in real estate, worked for himself, you know, from the age of, you know, I think he, he dropped out of law school or something, right. got kicked out of law school or something <laughs> like that, and then started his own work, his own business in real estate. So there was that, and he did that for years, and he worked hard, right? And then there was my mom who was raising three kids. And then eventually she went to work with my dad. And that's how we always saw it. My mom was working for my dad instead of, no, they were working side by side right. for years together. Um, and my mom was doing all the bookkeeping, which I didn't even know. She was running everything on QuickBooks. I didn't even know. I didn't right. know any of this, right? And so I saw the passion of business. I saw the passion of you know, working for yourself because you can't work for anyone else. You're yeah, really, yeah. my dad's unemployable. He just, he, right. There's actual he, term for that in psychology, psychologically unemployable. You get to a point where you're just like, look, I can't take instructions from anyone. This is my thing. That's his. Okay. So he realized that at 22 or 23 or something, right? Nice. It took me a little longer, but because, um, so I grew up middle-class in Chicago and in, in that reality, there's a lot of generosity mm-hmm. and then a lot of conditions. Mm. That weren't always spoken um, because they didn't know how to communicate well about money or about conditions or, right. you know, they didn't know how to do that. They weren't taught that from their parents. And Right. It's, you know, we, we expand as we grow and learn and read new books. And what were some of those unspoken things that, were, that came with money? Yeah. I mean, so the generosity to say is that I had most of my needs and wants, not all of my desires. And I, you know, I remember if you're middle class, you can look and see people have a lot more money than you and you can look to the other side and people have less. And I remember that viewpoint from early on, seeing that, seeing both sides and being in the middle. So there was generosity in that if I wanted to dance or take dance classes, which I was doing growing up, I could go do that. I can do a lot of that. Um, The conditions came... Um, one, in a way that really bothered me at first and turned out to be a great lesson. At 15, my dad said, you're working, mm. you know, and go out over a weekend and apply for at least six jobs and report back. And then there was no conversation around what did I want to do? What was I good at? What was my skill set? Mm. And so that level of tough, get out there and just apply without any teachings of how to do it or anything that would be more meaningful to me, you know, it just flipped me out. And I was such an angsty teenager, you know, that just pissed me off. And, but I did it. I pushed through over road that I was terrified to go on these interviews. I did and came back and, and worked in retail, worked in an ice cream shop, just did it. Right. So there was, th- there was that, but another, you know, a story that there's a few stories I tell in the book and the book is called the art of money, mm-hmm. a life changing guide to financial happiness. I think you said money, a life changing guide to financial happiness. Anyway, it's the art of money. Okay. And in, in one of the stories, Again, you can see the level of generosity and privilege in this story, 
um, I really wanted to go to Italy for my third year in college. Right. And my parents said yes. Wow. What a privilege. What a, you know, yeah. so much. Okay. Yeah. And I went and all the kids around me that I was with, they were traveling every weekend to different countries. And I didn't necessarily have the resources for that. Mm-hmm. They had a lot. They had more money. Again, it's all relative, right? Comparison. I'm in Europe, you know. <laughs> I'm in Europe as you know, as a 20 year old. Yeah. And there was one weekend where I just went. I went with. I, I went. I think it was to France, right? right? And I came back and I called my father on a payphone, you know, in the hostel that I was living in. Yeah. Told him he was furious, and so he stopped sending me money for a month. Hmm. And how long was, was your trip in, in Europe? It, it was about four months. It was okay. a whole semester. All right. Um, and, you know, again, I don't remember exactly the timing. I, I, I get just, you, yeah. I just remember thinking, I don't speak the language. I have no idea how to get a job. I don't know how to be resourceful in another country. Mm-hmm. I haven't learned these skills yet. I need to, but at the time, I just was flipped out. And so I did what I could on the little amount of money I had left. I remember, like, the panini sandwich and the gelato every day you know, that I had. You find the one spot that you could just maximize that dollar, <laughs> that one or two euros. Yeah. And, and that's what I did, you know, and I got myself through that time, and I was scared, and I was pissed. Again, it was mixed so much with, like, this privilege and generosity. Yeah. And these conditions that my father never said, um, here's how much money um, you can spend when you're there. The last story is when I was in college the first two years before I went to Europe, and he would have me every week make a copy of my manual bank's uh, le- my little ledger, that mm-hmm. handwritten ledger that we used to have. He wanted me to fill it out every week and make photocopies and send them to him. Okay, so I would do that, but then there was no discussion on right. where am I spending my money, what's my limitations, uh, do, what's a budget, what's a plan. No discussions right. around that. My dad knew that I was spending $40 on a bag of weed, but, you know, it was right there. You're going to have to learn that you can't eat weed. It's good. <laughs> well, no, but it was right there. But again, I also had to work yeah. in college. He, but he paid for my college. He right. paid for my undergrad, and then I had to pay for graduate school. I was, I was on my own because right. it, it comes to a crux where all, all these experiences happened, right? So tough love, tough, you know, but, um, generosity. And, uh, con- you know, conditions, right, unspoken conditions. Mm-hmm. Like, he would give me part of it. Like, send me your bank register every week. Okay, great. I did that. But then right. why? Right. Why? The task was or, done. But what was the point of that? What was the point right. of that? Or are we tracking how much I'm spending each month? No. Tally up the no- you know. Right. The, Is it, it over or under budget head. when it comes to food? What about fun? What about, you know? No discussions around right, that, right? Right. The buckets. So basically, the story comes to a crossroads where my father was very clear I was going to go to Japan, his plan, to teach English. Oh, he had a plan for you. I see. He had a plan. <laughs> he had a very clear plan. And, you know, at the time, he really eventually wanted to move into real estate in Japan. or so, I don't know what. he In Chicago, I guess Japanese folks were coming in to do real estate. He, so I took Japanese two summers, nice. which was very hard. Um, but I had learned Hebrew growing up. So... Learning, um, you know, a different alphabet was interesting to me and yeah. a different written alphabet. So that was intriguing to me and I loved sushi. So I loved being able to go and eat sushi and order. <laughs> and order for yeah. <laughs> That's as much as I Practice. could do. I did that. And then I remember going on the interview uh, for this teaching abroad and I just knew it was not my path. Right. And so I finally said um, a big F you 
you know, mm-hmm. my father and said, I'm going to Israel. I am taking a detour here. Right. I'm going to go to Israel to find out what it means that I'm born Jewish and in a Jewish family. Yeah. I'm going to go deeper in that, and I'm going on my own path here. How old were you at that, that point? I, so this is, um, I was 22. Right. I was so, I finished, gradu- you know, I finished, um, I graduated. Yeah. I also went right into college having no clue what I wanted to do. Yeah, most people are on that path. You know, you finish school, you do this, your parents say you do this, you fill out, you tell me I'm going to university, you do that, and you get there and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What is I, this? I mean, undergrad for me was really just partying, playing, working out social stuff, yeah, um, and also a few more things that lead to how I even got into my work was, you know, grad, undergrad to me, I had no clue, really no clue. Yeah. Um, Audre Lord though, came to speak at my school when I was 19 or 20 years old. Right. And that blew my mind. And that, that was one of those moments that, um, I, I, I also was studying history cause I, I didn't know I was studying some Jewish history. I was studying some African American history and some women's studies. I yeah. was trying to map together right. or piece together. Poking around at things, checking it out, something, seeing, yeah. Something. Um, so to, and, and also I danced my whole life, right? So there was that. Yeah. Um, and then, and so basically at 22, I said, I'm not going to Japan. I'm going to Israel. Mm-hmm. And I went to Israel for a year and it changed the course of my life. And I remember coming back and my father, who thought that would be the worst thing I ever did, Realize I had changed so much and had come into myself mm-hmm. that he said it was actually the best thing you ever did. And um, a few things. I grew up wanting to be a solid gold dancer. <laughs> well, who didn't? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> Everybody at some point wants to be a solid gold dancer. <laughs> okay, I love that. Okay, okay. So that was one, you know, the second one was businesswoman, don't know what kind, just because yeah. my dad, right, you know, I wrote that yeah. great paper on being a businesswoman. And then at 17, 16, 17, I did ask my parents if I could go see a therapist. I asked if I could go to therapy. Wow. That's, yeah. 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 That's unique I wanted 16, to understand myself better. I knew I was playing lots of games and having yeah. fun. Um, and so they all kind of came together when I was in Israel. Yeah. And I was running one day on the kibbutz. And all of a sudden, I thought I like, I had a whole epiphany, and I realized I was going to put dance movement with therapy, (laughs) and I was going to become a dance therapist, and I thought I made this up. In a gold outfit, of course. (laughs) Right, 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 exactly. I thought I made it up. I get to Jerusalem and learn, this is a whole field, dance (laughs) therapy, somatic psychology, there's graduate programs in this, there's one Colorado. And then I knew pretty clearly that I was going to get myself to this graduate program in Boulder and study somatic psychology. And that's what I did for my entire 20s. Wow. And, you know, worked in the mental health field, worked in hospice, both in the overnight care and in uh, the bereavement side, and really thought that my work would be around sexuality and women and couples and intimacy and food, body, and death and grief. That's what I thought. It sounded like a good plan. When you put that in, <laughs> fax it into pops, you'd be like, that sounds good. Continue. That's, yeah. it. That's yeah. it. Those are my topics. Yeah. And then my school loan came due. 
and that and and then all that was it. That was yeah. the moment where I realized I've studied all these other topics. I how am I going to pay off this student loan? I was making eleven dollars an hour with a master's degree right. as a social worker. How the hell was I going to do this? What is my relationship to money? Oh my god! How did they leave this topic out of my graduate program? How are we going to work with couples? Yeah. How am I going to start a pra- private practice? Yeah. You know, wait a second. What about undergrad? No. What about high school? Oh, an accounting class that went in and out. Yeah, yeah. Whoa! So no. it just—I was either you know—it was another crossroad where I was going to go screaming, running, traveling the world forever, never look back, and never yeah. come back to the states, or I was going to face it head on and learn everything I could, and that was the beginning. Isn't that how life always works? Yeah, it works well is when you you see the bull charging, and you're like, you know what? This one's mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to actually deal with this. And, and once we start to uh, address and face and be honest without judgment, like this is actually my life, mm-hmm. that things really start to move. I mean, you said it when you were 20. You were like, I'm not doing this. I'm doing this. And, and it can, to me, I see it you know, as I interview people and stuff and read books. It's more of there's some moment where you either say yes to something or no to something. And you're like, I'm for sure leaving this relationship. What are you doing next? I have no idea, but I'm out. Yeah. And you and you just take this leap of faith or you say, ah, this is speaking to me. And you get drawn into something. They both lead to the exact same place, but yeah. sort of two doors into the, the solid gold club. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of, you know, self-discovery. So it's, yeah, that's I, I love your journey and how you came to it. And it's these moments of epiphany where you're like, yeah, I'm doing this. And then you come out and you're like, so I have this debt. Now we're really talking about money. Yeah. And the real world shows up. And it's, it's interesting that our parents never taught us anything like this. We're all expected to know, understand, send in your ledger. And it's so much, you know, I, I experience the same thing from my parents and how they expect you to know things. And they're like, why don't you know this? Like, I gave you all of this stuff. You did the, 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 the swimming and the dance. And, the, and it's like, why don't you know? I'm like, look, going to swimming doesn't teach you about money. Right. It's like, it's a great experience and I love it. And, you know, the tra- like, but the things that they do to have what they have, they never actually broke those things down and explained it to you so right. that you, uh, you get it. They don't realize they're so competent in that area that they don't realize that it's an actual learned thing. True. And, and that was their generation, right? And they yes. did the best they could 100%. based on where they came from or where they, what country they left and on and on. And on and on and on, yeah. And on and on and on. And, you know, for me, it's, it's two very clear tracks. It's we weren't given a financial education from grade school and up in small increments on a practical, emotional, psychological and spiritual level, right? right. And really small increments. So I'm teaching people now from ages 25 to 75 years old. That's wow. my community. All different economic backgrounds. Right. Um, and I teach it in a year-long program now and people still come back because it's a whole framework that they have to learn in bite-sized little baby steps over years because, again, this was not taught in grade school and that would have taken years. So there's that track and then there's emotional literacy. And those are side by side. Mm. And so for me, all the entire decade of somatic training, and I did a movement meditation practice called Authentic Movement. Um, I could never sit still. I wanted to move, right? So (laughs) my meditation was movement. Meditation was called Authentic Movement. And that was another track of me learning how to listen to my body again and its messages and 
Um, because many of us, especially women, but many of us are, mm-hmm. are either taught to override our body, mind, right? Disconnect right. from Disconnect it. Disconnect and be logical and dur, 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 yeah. get in the box. It's like, yeah. yeah, there's many types of intelligence from physical intelligence, emotional intelligence, intellectual intelligence, artistic. Like, it's all intelligence. It's all ways yes. of communicating. Some people are great orators and some people are great artists and some people work magic with a spreadsheet. It's, listen. Right. It's all right. ability. Right, yeah. right. But for me, that was such a missing mm-hmm. piece as well. Or something that I would, as a teenager, I would go into a room and shut the door and blast music and dance. All the different emotions and then come out and be able to then articulate to my parents what was going on, right? Right. So it's just been, I get, that's one of my channels, right? has always been. And so um, I bring so many somatic tools and practices to our relationship to money. And when I realized that I'd studied food and body and sexuality and all these other things and put the lens on it and learned everything I could. And when each of those, I was terrified at first, like intimacy. Oh my God. I was like, I had so much shame. I was, I just, I don't know how to do this. I suck at this. I'm awful. I don't know how to be vulnerable. I just want to run or hide or, and then I, I, then I finally realized, oh, I need to take all of those practices and tools that I was doing in those other areas and bring them to our relationship to money because that was the only way I was going to have a relationship to money. And yeah. then all the people that I knew who had done so much work on themselves, again, it was they needed many different levels as well when they were going to have a relationship to money. And it had to be, it had to be creative. Like, I was not going to just do the masculine, let's learn a spreadsheet mm-hmm. right. or let's learn how to save or pay down debt or invest. Like all those things are said over and over and over in many, many books yeah. and it's good, solid financial information. And then it's there's good factual information. Exactly. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it's one lens of a 360 degree thing, which is money, which is finances, which is the foundation for how this world operates. And right. just because the people who created the majority of systems at that time had that lens and said, this is important. Everybody just kept going, okay. And he just kept duplicating it. I said, well, what about the artist? What about the person that is intuitive? Like, how do they come to money? And how do they, as, as, as you so beautifully connected this, it's like there's an emotional component to money because yeah. we make it mean something. Right. That's it. We make That's it, it mean whether you have yes. it, you don't. If you have it, if I have it. If women have it, if men have it, and I remember talking about this, it's one of those first deep conversations my wife and I had was around money, and we were just like, she was like, okay, what's going on? What's this and that? And I'm like, I'm not talking about money, you know? And it's, and it, having done other work, I knew, okay, Ricardo, when you're facing that, what, what is it that you have, what is it that you have to let go? You know, the shame the responsibility and I'm like okay what do I think about money and just starting with myself mm. I think men have to provide I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. okay okay that's one that's, of your stories that's just one of, the, that's one of your stories right. yeah that's a thing that I have on that and I'm like okay what does that mean to provide and right. what about this and what if you know and it's like going back and forth and unpacking that and coming to a space where we have something that I, I call you no know, like radical honesty about everything it's like Here's the passwords to the bank accounts. We have each other's stuff. And it's just like, what's going on here? And, you know, we have a business together. So it's, we have to talk about money like all the time. Like, which client is in? Did you do this? Did that? Blah, blah, blah. Have you, did this client close? 
And then also seeing that input from her friends and family who are like, you know, you need a separate bank account from Ricardo. Right. Because you never know. A woman has to have a little say. And I was just like, I was like, how are you going to take thousands of dollars out of the bank account? And I'm not going to know. I'm like, (laughs) I get a ding on my phone from the app. Like, it's just. In the radical honesty model. Right. You're going to know. I'm going to know. And like, you go, ding. I'm like, oh, this transfer. I'm like, hey, honey, what what was that for? Right. (laughs) Like, we literally have to go, I'm going to buy you a gift. Like, you're going to see something, just delete it. And it's that, like... Us as well. Yeah. yeah. So okay. it's, that works for us. Mm-hmm. But it's how do you... Yeah, and then starting to realize that some of those ideas and thoughts and things that come in aren't necessarily masculine. Like, we'd say, oh, this is a masculine way to think. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's just a way of doing it. And we've attributed it to men. Right. Because 50, 60 years ago, men were the people that were doing X. And it's not... I've seen just as many women with the same thing who are just like, you're not paying for me. Like, I think, you know, Gloria had a lot of that. Like, we sat there and I'm like, hey, let me buy you dinner. She's like, no, no, I can pay for it. And I'm like, I know you can. I said, I would like to. Mm. She was like, no. I was like, can I squeeze a lemon in your water? She's like, no. I was like, could I? I said, we had, on our very first date, we had like a 15-minute talk about squeezing lemon in water because she's like, no, I can do it. I said, I know you can. I said, I'm not trying to dominate you. I would just like to give put some lemon in the water because I care about you. Yeah. Uh, I was like back and forth and we talked it out. It was again, first, second date, this getting and now, into this. Can you put lemon in her water? Or? Yeah. Now it's like Ricardo, okay. get some lemon in the water. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Well, yeah, you have a small child too. Yes. She's like, yeah, we've grown way past that, but yeah. it's that yeah. learning and even having those open discussions. Like, why do you think me contributing to you is domination and so this is thing couples come together and there's that whole dynamic of what happens when they come together but first we need to even understand our our money stories by ourselves which we usually don't do first right and then you join together with another person and no matter what economic background no matter what lineage ethnicity um on and on and on like yeah you each of your different stories and or meaning that you're putting on how you earn, how you save, how you give, how you invest, how you borrow, how you don't, how you, all of that. Uh, you <laughs> who know, you borrow all, from, who you who don't, you borrow like what? from, right? Meaning also who needs to earn the money? Does it need to be fifty-fifty? Is it one account? Is it two? Do we need to have like who pays all, the bills? Who like who's responsible for the? Who does yeah. the, you know? Who's in charge? Who's taking the lead when it comes to the household budget? Yes. Like uh, oh, yeah. I, I, right, we haven't even gotten to the generations or the, hist- the, the history of this, and that's a whole other thing, but it is. Two people, right, we need to understand our own money stories, and then we come together, and usually we polarize. Mm-hmm. We do a whole thing. Somehow one person gets designated as a smarty pants mm-hmm. because they have a financial background, or they can do spreadsheets, Excel spreadsheets. The other person is the stupid one. Right. That's not, they, no, maybe they're more intuitive. Right. Maybe it is more emotional to them and less matter-of-fact. And one of my favorite couples that I worked with um, that's still in the community is it was a male-female couple. And so even you can have a female couple and one person somehow feels like they should be the owner. And, right. right. So that's right. That's just in a female couple. But this couple was male-female and um, they came from different lineages and now they have two little kids. And um, he came from a financial background. And so he was convinced he could teach her. All you know, his Excel spreadsheets. Yeah. Excel, he could whip them out and teach yeah. her. And what would happen was it was very emotional for her, right. and she either would get really angry, 
she would get she would start crying like there would be there would be big emotions and felt there was actually no space and he kept feeling like he could be your teacher yeah and then she said at some point i want to do barry's year-long program and he looked at it he was skeptical of course he said, it's a bit too feminine whatever that means <laughs> right because there's emotions involved so it's more feminine right, right? right and he just really didn't want to relinquish his role or his thinking that he could teach her because he knows all of this this is his background right and after you know months and again, they had a wonderful marriage and relationship. Yeah. They could have, they had great communication in many other places. Money was a place where uh, the fighting some, would happen. Yeah, you needed some outside inputs here because you yes. keep, yeah, you're getting the same result. It's this. Right, yeah. right. And I just think it's because couples don't learn that we need to start at the beginning. Like we need to have these money dates where you begin by just telling stories first before even talking about the the numbers. Like, you tell mm-hmm. family of origin stories or where did you come from or talk about your grandparents and those things matter. You start with the stories with yes. you know and you learn from each other your differences. Yeah. And then you can move into your values and spreadsheets or whatever you need to or not, you know. It could be a piece of paper. Third. Yeah. No, spreadsheets comes third. I have a whole, you know, phase, okay. you know. Phase 2 is values. You talk because in the surface mm. you well, you fall in love because of chemistry and other things, you know. But then you also on the surface you have the same values, right? But then when you go to spend and save and give or earn, those values are represented so in such different ways. Right. You know, like short example, my husband came to me years ago, he wanted to buy a road bike. I was horrified. <laughs> Why would you do that? That's Why? a like, bad idea. <laughs> because I do small self-care. Mm-hmm. I do $100 here. And I do a lot of self-care. Right. And, and so we were like at this place where I was horrified <laughs> by his. I could feel <laughs> that. It just, it was like, and this <laughs> is years later. And he's on his third bike. Okay. But, right. And, he, and he's always been horrified in the past by my self self-care acupuncture right. massage lotion Why are you doing that right. Right. But what facial products what, what what's that right so get we yourself have... a motorcycle it'll be fine the wind or, will okay but now you, <laughs> motorcycles are not allowed, allowed with young kids <laughs> in our family okay or flying um once they're 18 okay yes. once... <laughs> that's, anyway that's my rule and we just had to had to sit down and really talk it through and he had to make his case and say this is how much I'm going to put down on the bike and I'm going to take two extra gigs to pay this off by certain, he had, you know, and I'm going to earn sexy points because I'm going to be in, you know, on and on. And we made it through that whole negotiation and he's now he's on his third bike. He's on a cycling team. And, and then a few years into it, we added up all of my self care over a few years and it equaled his. It's not interesting. Yeah. It's not interesting. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. But to come back and finish that last story, because sometimes I don't finish stories about the couple. <laughs> yes. It's just that they started having money dates. And yes, there was swearing, there was fighting. I've heard other people cry and leave, you yeah. know, but money yeah. dates is a practice. You, you, and, you know, how do you get to a place of having compassionate, loving conversations? And again, maybe you start out with storytelling or your values. Third phase is you get out the numbers, right? So they start doing money dates and. Eventually, he learned it is so emotional for her, mm-hmm. and he isn't the best teacher for her because he's a different style and a different approach mm-hmm. and a different rhythm around this, and she needs to have more space to air her emotions, whatever they are, so she can be heard. Yeah. And you know, eventually, she also needed to learn a different kind of bookkeeping system than him 
and not Excel spreadsheets because those didn't match. Yeah. Yeah. But then eventually they were able to move into having conversations about the numbers. Yeah. And they did become more loving, but it wasn't like a quick thing. It was many months of yelling. Yeah. And, it's, yeah. 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 Life and emotions are never, uh, you yeah. know, tear it off like a bandaid and now we're fixed and moving on. It's, it's, right. it's slow. It's like a pot roast. You know, this is going to take a few hours. We've got to, <laughs> it didn't happen overnight. Yes. Yeah, take you it have easy. To slow Slowly. Down. And there's so much urgency around money issues. or We feel like we're in crisis in moments, but we really have to slow it down and learn new skill sets and practices that, again, yeah. we weren't taught from grade school and up in small increments, you know? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. I mean, Gloria and I are in this huge financial sort of kick right now in life to learn more about money. Um, especially after coming out of a year with baby, you know, we were talking before this interview and it's just like, okay, let's look at our, you know, long-term financial projections. And what about reoccurring revenue? And like, as entrepreneurs, like, how does this thing work? Like, we can't just hope it's going to work out. So what are we putting in place? And actually going out and getting that financial education is critical to, to how we move forward now. Yeah. It's critical. But what we were also talking about that I do want to name is that you're in a huge transition, you're in like major transition and we know in life that you're going to have ebbs and flows and you're going to have ups and downs, but we don't realize we're going to have them in money too. We just, mm -hmm. we think, or this is me, you know, I'll speak for myself or what I see in my community that we think we're going to get to a place where we earn more and save more and give more yes. every year. But that's not how life goes. I write it down every year on the plan of how it's going to go. <laughs> right. Lose right. weight, go to the gym, six pack, earn more, save more. That <laughs> doesn't happen. Next. Okay. Now, planning is good. It's yeah. good to plan. But, right, life, life is going to happen. Life Her shows up. Are gonna yeah. happen. Things are going to happen. Um, life happens. And so we need to let in this concept of ebbs and flows, ups and downs, also happen with our relationship to money. Mm -hmm. And when we have a big life transition, baby number one, baby number two, leaving the corporate world to start our own business, having a health crisis, someone dying close to us, on and on and on these are big life moments where everything gets thrown up in the air our money stuff gets thrown up in the air and it all needs to be reevaluated. and i think just honored yeah. that it, you know this is a real life moment it's a real thing transition um i was saying to you that as soon as i got pregnant my husband was laid off yeah so he was starting his own new business and I went from having a whole team of bookkeeping trainers, financial coaches, working 40, 50, 60 hours because I loved it, Yeah. right, to having a beautiful conception, pregnancy, and then having a huge, uh, 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 what's... Experience. <laughs> explosion. <laughs> um, what do they call it? A complication. Yeah. And and then was in recovery. And so everything changed. And so went from two solid dual income mm -hmm. salaries that were solid to I'm working 10 hours, my husband's starting a brand new business, huge cash flow dip. What are we going to do? And how can we not freak out? Totally. There's going to be freak out moments. Yeah, we got to look. Today's the day. Just what? Like, all right. Yeah. How yeah. can you think larger? I'm so impressed that you guys are already thinking and planning for more sustainable, you know, cash flow. Like, how do you shift your business model? Yeah. And f for me, it took until I was sleeping again when Noah was three. <laughs> three years <laughs> later, I, you're like, I got a solid night. <laughs> At age two, I created a home study program. And that yeah. brought in 
some reoccurring revenue. Nice. And then it took another few years before I envisioned the year-long program, which is my favorite teaching model, business model, and the most sustainable mm-hmm. journey. It's mm-hmm. been a journey to like, you know, we have sustainable business model and cash flow that's coming in, uh, you know, on a regular basis. And then we have a baby. And then it all gets thrown up in the air again. Yeah. And you got to trust that you're going to make your way through that really yeah, it's tight time. and Slow but slow and sure. It's, it's, yeah. I heard the, this, this saying once. It said, uh, you mm-hmm. can't put nine women in a room and get a baby in a month. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> there's, there's no amount of resources that you can add to this that's gonna mm-hmm. change that time frame like yeah it just yeah. takes as long as it takes so when i hear you talk about it's a year-long program and people are like oh but i have money problems now and what about this and it's just like yes. hang on <laughs> this is happening in your 20s your 30s your like 70s your, like it didn't just happen so it's going to take you a long time to understand your relationship to money to deal with what's going on, the emergencies and life and and transform that into something new. It's you buy a gym membership, you don't end up with a six pack in thirty days. Right. It takes it just takes life just takes time. It like, takes time. Who cares if you want it tomorrow? It just takes time. You can't yeah. do seven thousand crunches and have a six pack. Like Yeah. Impossible. I used to teach my work in a weekend workshop. <laughs> I used to teach it in a six week class. It's like fire hose everyone. They're like it was, I hated it. Yeah. I really, I mean, I was like, this doesn't work. Or, you know, it was where I was at the time and the best I could yeah. do and the best framework and all of that. And we did what we could. But, um, you know, I was teaching six-week classes one after the next. And then wow. I just kept expanding it as the curriculum was growing based on what was happening. And those, right. I used to teach small 10-person groups. And then they moved to 20, I mean, for years. And then they moved to 20 person and then they moved to 50. And now we're close to, we're at 470 students this year. But I taught in those small groups to, because I love teaching in groups because you can get people from all different economic backgrounds in the same room. And then you get to really see, oh, the person who came from the wealthy family who I think should have no issues, they have issues. Yeah. They have their own issues. They have their own set of issues that they had overcome. The person from middle class, same issues. Person came from working class or, you know, I have friends that say, no, I came from a poor family. I didn't call it a work. I called it poor, you know. Just just being in the same room in the same group with that, but also because I learned what was missing, you know, in the material. So Mm -hmm. about a year into it, I learned that my folks were getting stuck in the past, they, they were, oh, I haven't paid taxes in a few years, and I'm terrified to call the IRS. Right. And the story I, of it or the imagination of what the, the money boogie person's coming to get me. The money yeah. boogie person, exactly. It, right. Terrified to even get on the phone because then they, they're going to take me to jail or... <laughs> They'll take my house. Like, what will I... Like, don't... Yeah. Or I'm going to... Oh, I mean, just this level of story. Or I signed a contract in my first marriage that I shouldn't have signed. I didn't read it yeah. because I, and now I would have done it really differently. I know my value now. I didn't know how to really claim it at that time. And I'm mm-hmm. still holding on to that on and on and on. Right. Or I just, the level of shame. Right. Mm-hmm. And I realized, and this is the whole money healing work that I do first before you move into money practices and before you move into money maps, which is mm-hmm. all the practical stuff and the goal setting. And I realized 
we are doing forgiveness. Like, how did I forget that? How did I miss it? But I did. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, we need to include a whole piece on forgiveness, whether it's for yourself, the other person, your God, if you have one. And, and we, we brought in, you know, a whole piece in that money healing phase on, on forgiveness. Yeah. And it just, the material has matured and, you know, yeah. been adjusted as, uh, you know, for, all, for 16 years in that way. It's, yeah. it's that, that that is as you say that like i get goosebumps i'm like it mm-hmm. resonates so much with me to be able to just forgive yourself forgive other people to just say look i did what i did or i didn't do what i didn't do right because i didn't know what i didn't know and it's just yes. it's just like now i know or now i'm gonna find out or now i'm able to just <sighs> okay let's call the irs let's you know right. let's let's talk to my wife let's talk to my partner let's talk to whoever it is and start just facing it and just getting honest about it without the I shouldn't say without my my thing is like the emotional experience is still going to be there but it's how do you dance with that so that you become more and more competent with dealing with it when those emotions come up I have a fun story about that okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, I don't know how we're doing on time I think we're still good um, so this was about five years ago so my son's three at the time, okay, and we had one car um, because we're back now. We were living in California for seven years, where I started all of my earning money work. Sixteen years ago, it used to be called conscious bookkeeping. That's what I called it <laughs> back in the day. It was it was a good term. Right? Yeah, it was, it, it was my, appropriate. It was appropriate. It was appropriate at the time. My husband helped name everything for yeah. me. Been together sixteen years. He named conscious bookkeeping. He named art of money. So. Um, Noah's three, and we're back in Boulder, Colorado with our one car because everything's within 15 minutes compared to California, three hours, right? right? And I was really proud of that low carbon footprint, oh, right? It's beautiful. Our one Prius. Okay. It was, you know, part of my value. Eco friendly. I drink rainwater. It's. <laughs> well, not that. But like, we were looking into doing uh, earthships for a while. Yeah. You can't collect rainwater in Boulder. Anyway, it's crazy. <laughs> Separate story. Separate story. Um, so my husband had been wanting a second car because he was the one mostly who would get on his bike in the winter. I'd get the car and he'd be, in a, a, you know, on his bicycle. And he was like, this isn't working for me anymore. You right. know? And he's always dreamed of an electric car. Yes. Since he was a kid. Wow. So, yeah, since he was a kid. Um, my husband's the scientist and... Anyway, he's just, that, that's just been a dream of his. So he had been researching leaf, electric leaf, you know, mm-hmm. Nissan leaves for a while. And then one day we went to celebrate our friend who owns coffee shops. And they're called The Goat, mm-hmm. uh, Laughing Goat. Um, and they were having a party and they had real live little goats. That was my husband's <laughs> idea. Johnny, you need to have goats, you know. So we go there, there's goats and my child's so happy getting to hang out with the goats. We're having our mochas. And of course, this location, which I didn't know, was right next to a, a green car dealership. Interesting. Okay. So, so you know, it's a Saturday. All of a sudden, Forrest is like, hey, you want to go over there, take a test just, drive? Just, you know, you know, just, just, just see. You know, drive past see. the goats. See what, <laughs> see what it's like. Just see. Just in now, case. Next thing I know, you want to take a test drive? Okay. All right, honey. You're okay. here now. Might as well get in. Like, you've come this far. Let's go in. We take a test drive. Of course, you know, it's lovely. 
It's a, it's a, you know, yeah, it's an electric car. It's electric car. <laughs> Lovely. Actually, it has a little uh, speed to it. Um, and next thing I know, we're talking with the car dealership guy. He's doing numbers. He's doing finances. You know, he's. We're starting to talk numbers. Okay. And all of a sudden, I'm. I start hyperventilating. And I realize I'm hyperventilating. <laughs> I realize that I'm starting to have some strong emotions. I say, hold on, guys. I need to go to the bathroom. And I go to the bathroom, and that's a place for me where I could do a body check-in. Right? Mm. And I can – my body check-in is, you know, on a physical level, sensation level, emotion level, yeah. in my breath. What's going on? Yeah. So I – in the bathroom, and one of my first uh, book readings – no, my very first book reading in Boulder, Colorado – for my book tour last year, there's 70 people in the room. I'm in my hometown. I say, so I go to the bathroom and I do a potty check-in. Yeah. I didn't, <laughs> I did not mean to say potty check-in. So, I know what you, but a body check-in in yeah. the body, you know, yeah. and I do a check-in and I'm, I, I know how to do this, right? Um, I know how to calm myself down. I know how to check in. I know how to assess the situation and I come back out and I say, okay, guys, this is what I need. Uh, Forrest, my husband, I need to have a little money date right now. It could be 20 to 30 minutes. We need to talk about, do we have the cash flow for this? Is this going to affect our midterm or long-term mm -hmm. goals and plans? Mm -hmm. Is this in alignment with our values? Like this series of questions that we've come up with to help us make small money decisions, medium money decisions like a car, and then a few years later, we bought a house for the first time, So, which is a large money decision, I guess. We all have different definitions of what small, medium, and large yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So, and then we proceeded to have a money date right there, you know, in front of the, you know, <laughs> quickie money date. Went through all of our things, and it. I, I realized so much in that moment. It wasn't that my emotions are going to go away. I'm an emotional gal, mm -hmm. right? Sensitive, strong intuition. Like this is how I operate. So yeah. they're not going to go away. But what I now know how to do is I know how to, I know how to work with them. I know how to be with them in the moment. I have the tools to take myself to the bathroom and do my version of a body check. <laughs> right, yeah. And come back and then have a money date and ask a series of questions so right. that we make sure we're making the best decision in this moment. Then there's the after you actually buy it and then evaluating and was it a good decision? Are you right. enjoying it? Not and not. But we wound up, you know, having a 30, 20, 30 minute money date um, and we wound up driving off the lot with our new Nissan Leaf going, you know, <laughs> the three of us, you know, and it was great. It was Sweet. a wonderful day and wonderful experience, you know, so it's not that these emotions are going to go away. It's that you can, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, people wait until fear is gone before they act. And it's mm -hmm. like, no, fear is, it's like breathing. It's not going anywhere. You learn to, to act anyway. And it's like getting to that space where you're aware of, how you interpret, internalize, and operate in the world, whether it's emotional, physical, artistic. Like for me, I'm like, I like to draw things out. So I'll have like a pencil. Like I got these green pencils when I were on a honeymoon on France and I bought like a box of them. I'm like, who has a green pencil? I'm like, I've got two dozen. And I'm like, <laughs> and it's, you can't get them in North America, but I love these pencils because I will draw, like we have ideas and I'm like, I have a whiteboard. I'm like, once I put it down, it's like locked in. I'm like, yeah. I'm with it. Mm, so I, whether we're talking about money or we're talking about a client's project or a podcast, I'm like, I'm drawing You're squares, drawing. I'm putting lines down and I'm like, okay, this is the internet. This is how this is going to work. And I'm like, okay, and now I can go about doing 
what I'm doing because I've learned that I'm a visual yeah. thinker. I'm, I'm like, I got to see it. People are like, I can see it or I can hear it. I'm on it. Okay. But, so uh, that's your channel. That's your channel of how yeah. you process, how you understand things, how you shift stories. 100%. How you, you know, fear for me, that, again, that's, an, that's a name that we're putting on it. Like fear, how does it show up in your body? What is, is that just a lot of energy? Like suddenly you get a lot of energy. Some people would call that fear. Some people would call that excitement. Yeah. Some people would call that the exact anxiety. same feeling. It's like, or, ooh. <laughs> it's the same. What is it? It's like it's a lot of energy. Yeah. We can interpret in different ways. Like it is what is a story that we are putting on or are we, you know, whenever I'm doing something new, there's going to be a lot of energy. Yeah. Um, both, you know, scared and excited. And that some, yeah. Even when we did you know, se- totally separate topic here of like speaking engagements. We're doing this TED talk and like t- doing the practice of it and getting into your body to be able to present, especially when you know it's being broadcast. And, and it's just like, you start right. going, oh my God, it's like thousands. Like, like you, you can just lose your mind in that. Like, and your body starts to physically react and yeah. understanding that that reaction is either fear because it feels the same way, you know, the stomach's treating. Right. Or it's excitement, and you really care about what or it is both. you're about to do, and it's or it's both, and it's just like, yeah, just reframing that for a minute to say, hey, that is actually me caring so much about this that my body's going like, let's do this, and you're like, right. okay, and right. now it's not this other thing that I have to combat, but it's something that I work with, and I channel that. So when you stand on that stage, you're like, yeah, I care about you, and right. like I want to give you my best, and I want to give you my all. And it's like, I'm ready to do that. Like, let's dance with this. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, getting new language for the things that we experience allows us to actually deal with it. Because if there's no word for it, or if we d- we've never learned that, how to describe that thing, uh, it's, you don't know what's actually driving you. Like, my little right. son is one, and he'll be upset because he wants, I don't know, blueberries. And he's stomping his feet, and he's like, what? He wants blueberries. And I'd pick him up, and I'd say Okay, buddy. I said, listen, it's not okay to stomp your feet when you want something. I said, but what you're feeling is anger. What you're feeling is upset, and that's okay. I said, yeah. what you have to do is use your words, and you have to express that. And you can point. You can say blue and blueberries. And he'd be like, blue. And I said, perfect. I said, here, you go and hear the blueberries. So he can't even speak, but he does have feelings. Yes. And it's how yeah. do you begin to communicate that to someone that doesn't have language and Again, it's all, emo- I can't get angry with him because then that's just doubling down on the thing. Yeah. So it's really teaching me how to empathize and how to use something else to get the message through to somebody who does not have language. Like, you t- like he might as well be speaking a di- like Chinese or something completely different. It's just like, he can't understand anything I'm saying, but he can feel the emotions with which I'm speaking and the whole thing. So it's, yeah. It gets through. I know it gets through because he does calm down and he does point and he does change what he's doing and he forgets and then we try it again the next time. And that's parenting. And that's, and that's and you're also trying to calm yourself down in the same time. And you know, at some point in the next few years you're gonna have a moment where you may lose it or go off and lose it or yeah. you know. Yeah. Um yeah. And come back and apologize. And I'm come sorry. Ex- yeah. And like yeah, just oh my goodness, it's such a right. Yeah, and now, yeah, I have a child, my child who's almost nine. We're still working on the body check ins. We're still working on um, asking him to use his words to, you know, fully express what's going on to the best he can. But sometimes he just needs space. In the heat of the moment, sometimes he can't. He, he needs, 
a moment because yes. he's having so much energy or so much emotions. Yeah, like me. That's that's, that's it's so good to be able to uh, express to teach that to our children, both the boys and the girls, and yeah. teaching them about this this next level of intelligence that's sort of required in the world that we live in today, yeah. where it's emotional intelligence. And I really think as we live in a world where we don't know the the jobs that they will have in five years because it hasn't been invented yet. Like somebody hasn't made the app that's going to be the thing that people work with. Uh, How do you begin to prepare for something that changes every thousand days? And that was, I I feel like that's where my graduate school training, where I did traditional high school, traditional undergrad, when public school and then traditional undergrad, it wasn't until I went to Naropa my graduate school program that integrated Eastern and Western teachings mm-hmm. and philosophies, um, that I feel I learned the skill sets of how to really listen to myself deeply and know how to, which way to move and know how to trust that and know how to listen to that. And, or if I make a mistake, I, to learn from that and get back, back on track. But I feel it was you know, in graduate school, again, I didn't learn about business. I didn't learn about money. I didn't learn any of these things, but I learned all of these qualities and skill sets that I needed to be um, a human, like to be a human being at this time in this modern world that included emotional intelligence that allowed me to then go learn about financial, the whole financial part and trust that I can learn it, even though I was way more creative and a dancer and didn't feel I was right. smart math or any. So I learned, I learned the skills and the tools that would help me in life. And then also when I had no idea any other options besides mental health field, be a social worker, counselor, or start a private practice, right. that, that I, could, I could then eventually create a whole teaching, which then would become an online program, which didn't even exist back then, right. but just trust. Right. Um, let me ask you a couple questions. Oh, these uh, are the hard questions. These are the loving, warm questions. <laughs> On, you'll have a couple options. It's two words, uh, up or down. You just pick one. There is no right answer. Or it will be fill in the blank. Here's a sentence. Here's a word. Today is a... You know, here's an example of what's going on. And the last one will be complete a sentence. Uh, I'm happiest when... So it could be any one of these or any combination. Okay. And there's my little man who just came back. (laughs) Hi, buddy. He's going to be maybe part of the podcast today. Sounds great. TV or movie? TV shows that are like like films. (laughs) Of course, that would be your answer, (laughs) Ben. <laughs> one million dollars or one million lives? One million dollars in this life. In this life. Yoga or Pilates? Yoga. I was going to say neither. I was going to say Afro Brazilian dance and hiking. <laughs> How about that? I love that you're not following any of the rules. Oh, uh, well, yeah, that's, that's this me. Is, this is so perfect. Hug <laughs> or kiss? Oh, it depends on the person. <laughs> and if you can choose one, what would that be? Kiss. Kiss. Dog or cat? Cats. Wine. I have three. I have three. Oh, of course. <laughs> Wine or beer? 
Oh, wine. Red wine. Snow or sand? Snow. Fold or pile? <laughs> pile. Pile's my reality. Pile is actually what's happening, but in your head, it's fold. That's what's good. I like when I have a fold moment, but I can show you my piles. Hot or cold? I'm in perimenopause, so it's hot. Paper or plastic? Paper. Vote or complain? Vote. Blue or red? Red. Honey? Red. <laughs> Honey or oil? I see what you're saying there. What was I saying? Honey or oil. And more. Uh, anyway, I'll stick with honey. Right. <laughs> Tattoos or piercings? Tattoos. <laughs> okay. Well, you're not, you're not asking any follow-up questions like, do no. you have any tattoos? <laughs> None whatsoever. I mean, this, this is, again, completely random. I mean, you could be thinking of... What would I rather my child have? <laughs> tattoos right. or piercings? Or it could be what, what I would yeah, like. Or tattoos. It's, it's, you know? <laughs> tattoos. Please. Uh, Superman or supermodel? Neither. Superwoman. <laughs> Wonder Woman. Superwoman. New York or LA? New York. Write or read? Read. What did you have for breakfast? I, I had a sprouted muffin uh, w- with um, ghee and Himalayan salt and uh, an egg. But normally I have chicken soup <laughs> every day. Every day chicken soup. <laughs> chicken soup with vegetables because I get my, I get my, ve- my vegetables and I discovered chicken soup. Okay. And I think it's just anyway, but today it was quick and I needed my I needed something quicker, so I did that. I love it when Um I love it when my family's in a groove together. Everyone should read. Everyone should read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl and and The Light of the World by Elizabeth Alexander. It's a memoir on grief. And losing her husband. Wow. Okay. Have you ever quit? Yeah. Have you ever been fired? I don't know. Because <laughs> I haven't worked for someone else in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, not in a while. We'll leave that one. Yeah. What is one thing that you know for sure? That we are all connected and that we all come from the same. Brilliant. Thank you so much for playing the game. Oh. Thanks. <laughs> There is no prize at the end of this game. You just finish it. Barry, tell me about the the online courses you have. How can people get in touch with you? How can they learn more? I know you have a seven-day free financial therapy. There's also the year-long program and your books. Could you tell us a bit about that? Sure. So please come to my site, which is barrytesler.com. And Barry is B-A-R-I-T-E-S-S-L-E-R. And... Um, to start, just to get a sense and a taste of everything, the seven-day little mini financial therapy course. It's a little mini art of money. Nice. And for seven days, you get an experience of what money healing is, what money practices are, what money maps are. And um, so start there. Also, my blog, every two weeks, I write a new article. So 
There's a lot of content. There's a lot of content. Um, So enjoy. Enjoy all of that. And then my year-long program is something that we're in the middle of. We'll open again at the very end of this year and then in January. And it's a year-long program, me guiding it with five TAs um, who are financial planners and bookkeepers and Mm. somatic therapists and a coach. Um, You know, there's a whole community where people really intimately share. There's tons of content, my library. Who who is this designed for? Like, what type of person would be ideal for so, this year long program? I work with. I always say, women, couples, creative entrepreneurs, <laughs> and those special men <laughs> who who are willing to look at the emotional side of money, the emotional mm-hmm. and psychological side and spiritual side yeah. of money. I know that's very broad. No, but it's not actually. That's that, that's that's and it's again people from all different economic backgrounds, different ethnicities from all over the world. Yeah, so people yep. can be anywhere. It's all online. Yep. And they log in and yeah, off we go. They log in and there's monthly content. There's a weekly love note that they get. There's my library of all my interviews. There's a monthly call with me where I actually do therapy coaching with people and everyone gets to listen. And then this private community where people really share intimately about the relationship to money and there's lots of support. Yeah. So that's my year long. That's my year long program. And then lastly, my book. Yeah. Ooh, my The Art of Money, A Life Changing Guide to Financial Happiness. It was published last June, 2016. So it's 10 months live. I call it My Second Child. So my first one, Human Child's a Boy. This one, she's a girl. So this is my girl. <laughs> one of each. This is good. I have one of each, which is really great. Um, and I'm, I'm extremely proud of the final version, Inside and Out. It's everything. I've been wanting to write it for years and years and years and wanted it to be a classic book. Mm-hmm. And also wanted it to be filled with stories because all I read are memoirs and novels and literary fiction, really, and more, no- more memoirs. And I'm, I like to tell stories, and I like to teach in that way. So it's stories from the community. It's stories from my own life. So you know I'm walking my talk, stories yeah. of my husband, on and on. Yeah. So it's filled with stories, and, I, and, and you can get my book anywhere, in Canada, <laughs> in the States, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all the favorite places to buy independent bookstores yeah we will have links to all of this stuff in the podcast show notes on the website so just please head over to the framing podcast click on barry tesler's episode and you'll be able to get links to her course her book her free seminars her free seven-day financial therapy and everything else connected with barry thank you so much for being here thank you so much this was great i had a fantastic time this was money and creativity and everything, emotions, and how to actually use them to be empowered in life rather than be the victim of them. So Mm. thank you for the work that you're doing, and thank you for being here today. Thank you.